everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined with Lucy Christodoulou. Hi Lucy. Hello. How are <laughs> thanks you? Thanks for having me on. Right. Yeah, I'm good. I said thanks for having me on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just woken up. We're on different sides of the world. Yeah, um, yeah Saturday night over here. So yeah, <laughs> the, that's what happens when you have a podcast, I guess. It's good though. We can make it work. Yeah, we've made it work. So let's get straight on into the quick fire round. So how old are you? 21. Still 21. a baby, but oh, okay. in the world, kind Same. of average. Yeah. I'm 21. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel 16, but it's fine. Yeah. Oh, I feel 12, but like 80. Okay, that's time. fine. Yeah. Like my body feels way there. Oh, yeah, and I just feel fun. like a kid. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um. And what's your training and the company that you like your buy company like you buy stuff basically? Yeah, so at the moment I'm with Queensland Ballet and I'm one of the company artists there. So mm-hmm. we dance um, ten till six every day for lunch break in the middle. Um, and at the moment we're in theatre, so we're doing Dracula performances until like eleven at night. So big okay. days at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is my third nice. year with the company. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, and what point shoes do you wear? Um, so, funny story. So <laughs> I wear, I used to wear gainers um, mm-hmm. because I've had a chronic ankle injury and they were, at the end, they were the only shoe I could wear. Okay. Um, but now I don't wear point shoes anymore because my injury doesn't allow. So Okay. Okay. So you're kind of still in that, like that injured. Yeah. So yeah long story short um Uh I've had like a chronic injury for about five years now with my ankle and it was always an issue um growing up in my dancing but I kind of just all different physios told me different things um and it started to get to the point where we were doing etudes and I could not do any of it I couldn't get on point anymore I was just in agony so Mm -hmm. I went and had some proper scans done some scans on point as well um and they found that I had a really peculiar ostrogonum so an ostrogonum is like an extra bone a lot of dancers have it and get them removed um but the problem with mine was like I had this scan done and there was like six or seven things like fully wrong with my foot but okay the biggest issue we thought was this ostrogonum so I had to get it out. Basically, I went and saw a surgeon and they said, mm-hmm. you won't dance really much longer if you don't get it out um, and you're going to have to get it done at some point. So I kind of thought, okay, I'll get it done while I'm young. Um, and the bone itself was in this really peculiar spot because when I would go on point, my entire body weight would press onto this bone because it was kind of a floating bone and it was in between my two ankle bones. So my entire body weight was on this one bone. So I knew something was super wrong, but yeah. I didn't know how bad it was. Um, and that's why the physios and the surgeons were just like, you need to get this surgery basically okay. straight away. Um, yeah. so I did that and I've been rehabbing from that all year, but unfortunately the surgery, it, it worked, but we knew going into it, it was going to be a risk. Um, and you know, no surgeries ever, you know, that doesn't have a risk, but we knew yeah. this We kind of didn't know if it was going to work or not because it was this peculiar spot and we didn't know what was going to happen where there was kind of a hole in my foot now. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I rehabbed myself back to doing full company class in flats but then I still could not get back on point mm-hmm. and basically everything shows that there's not really going to be a chance for me to get back on point um because now there's kind of a hole in my ankle so oh. unfortunately that has forced me to retire at the end of this year um okay. which is crazy because I'm only 21 yeah. um but it got to the point kind of I so I only made that decision about a month ago okay. um and obviously that's like every dancer's nightmare but um yeah I don't know I I had so many years in pain and it got to the point where I was like someone could have this job that isn't in pain every day and that can do it properly and I was like I'm not fulfilling my duty as a dancer if I can't get in point shoes Mm. so yeah I kind of made that decision and my company was extremely supportive like my director was obviously really upset about that because you know he saw big things for me and I saw big Mm. things for myself um but yeah so these are my last few performances and Mm. it is not easy it is yeah 
killing that's, me the past yeah yeah we'll the talk next about that more but that's yeah no that's yeah that's my story of what point is I wear <laughs> wow um <laughs> so, <sorry. laughs> no, don't you worry at all um let's go on to your favorite leotard okay favorite leotard well my friend is bringing out a leotard line um Ooh. they're called taglio they're these beautiful okay. beautiful like tailor-made leotards um mm-hmm. so they're probably my favorite at the moment but okay. also any yumiko in the shape sarah or denise favorite shapes okay nice i'm trying to so that's a halter neck and then yeah. like the stretch oh the okay yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> good i love a good yumiko um and your fave choreography that you've learned either that's been put on stage or like not on you haven't done it on stage just whatever um Probably George Balanchine's Serenade. That was okay. my favorite thing I've done. Yeah, it yeah. was just so beautiful to do. And like with the girls in the company and we did mm. it because it's all about like being under the moonlight and we actually did it on this like big full moon oh, without wow. opening night. So yeah, it was very special. It was a beautiful wow. piece. Yeah, do. that would have been really good. Yeah. Um, and what is your favorite food? Cream of rice. Do you know what that <laughs> is? <laughs> um... <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, so it's like porridge, but made with rice. Oh, okay, and I have cream like, of rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah and I have like fries. Oh, but also fries. Also <laughs> fries. Fr- okay. okay, you actually know fries. Oh, cream of rice. Cream yes, of rice. I know what that is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But no, I do change my answer to fries 100%. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was actually imagining some fries dish. Oh, that's too much. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never tried cream of rice, but I have seen a lot of people oh, so good. like have it. So it's like oats, but like 10 times better. Like okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's next. I'll try it one day. Um, <laughs> so let's get into the main questions of the episode and we'll kind of go back to also, I guess, like the what you were talking about before. But I want to start yeah. from the beginning with your journey and your training um with dance was it just ballet when did you decide that you wanted to pursue it more professionally and go down that route um and all the that ins and outs of stuff mm-hmm. like that. yeah 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 so I never was like the kid who was like flipping around the house dancing or anything like that um I'm kind of a tomboy to be honest like it's mm-hmm strangely a tomboy but wear a lot of makeup so um I never was super into it but my cousins all did ballet and one of them was like at the Royal Ballet School and things like that so they came over to my house one day when I was probably like maybe like four Uh and they were stretching and they started stretching me and they were like oh my gosh like she can be a star like she's very (laughs) like she's very like she's got a lot of potential you got all the facility Um, yeah so then my parents were like, oh, okay, I was thrown a ballet class. And then it yeah. kind of just went from there. And I did love it, but I think I've always liked the competition and the um, dedication that it required. So that's more what drew me in, I think. And then, yeah, at like about 12, I went full time, which was super young now in hindsight, but um, I needed to for the training I wanted to do. Uh-huh. So I went full time then and did all of my school through distance education. Um, I went to the Australian Ballet School for a little bit for on a scholarship after doing YGP. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I came back home and went to the Genet, got silver medal, silver medal at the Genet, um, and then joined QB straight after that. So I've been with QB now for four years. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, QB was always my dream company, to be honest, because moving to Melbourne, when I went to the Australian Ballet, I realized I did never want to, like, I never wanted to be away from home again. I, it doesn't okay. work for me. It doesn't suit me at all. Um, and I knew I had to be here. So I was like, well, I've always loved QB. I grew up watching QB. So I was like, this is the company I want to be in. So yeah, it was like a dream for me when I got in and mm. did very well in the company. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, and interesting to kind of hear like what kind of, what was the like, because obviously everyone has a point that they love about ballet and every, you know, everyone's journey is so different. Um, so it's kind of interesting to hear that. What were some of the struggles that came along with you got, you know, kind of mm. going into training um, and going into, you know, a very highly competitive environment. Plus you said you love that. So like, mm-hmm. for some, I know some, not saying that like, Oh, like maybe you love the like super, highly like maybe class competitive environment but you, but you enjoy doing competitions Absolutely, and yeah. I think I mean it does 
stuff like that does take a toll on you mentally and yeah physically. what was that like and physically mm. yeah yeah so obviously other than the injury because that's like plagued me for a long time um I yeah I definitely had a big big struggles through my whole dancing mm-hmm. career from about 15 onwards um okay so I think it was probably, yeah, I always have loved competing. Performing yeah. was always the thing I knew I was best at. And I always did very well in the big comps. So I absolutely loved it. I loved the like dedication that it required. I loved the grind of it all. Um, so I think when I went to a ballet school and there was no competing, there was not really any performing, there was none of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So I've kind of got to make like my everyday has to be like that to kind of replicate that and still feel like I'm achieving something Mm -hmm. so then I just and as a person with such a driven personality I'm Mm -hmm. always like you know go 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 Mm -hmm. um I think I just absolutely burnt myself out and put so much pressure on myself and also I think being in a ballet school it is highly competitive it's quite toxic to be Mm -hmm. honest like I mean, I'm sure you know this too, but yeah, it can be very toxic. Um, It's very competitive. Everyone wants to be the best. And I get that. We kind of have to have that drive or else we won't make it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, only a few people from each of those classes are going to make it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone's fighting for their chance. So I think that really got to me. And yeah, I just spiraled down a really bad place with it. Um, Really struggled with my eating, um, body image, everything like that. Um, became very unwell and actually had to move home Um, yeah which I wasn't expecting to do but Mm -hmm. it kind of resorted to that and then I've kind of spent the last five years trying to recover from that to be honest Mm -hmm. so it's been a very up and down journey Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of those things that like I always say trying to heal a relationship with food and potentially for some people overcome an eating disorder is Mm -hmm. semi-impossible in a ballet environment because it's like putting a someone who's trying to quit smoking into a smoking yard you know what I mean Mm. like for a ballet dancer you are constantly surrounded by that the negative body image the pressures on the body and stuff like that you're constantly surrounded by that so it's really hard to remove yourself from that situation Mm -hmm. or exist in that environment but still be strong within yourself so I think that's why like I yeah it's taken a very long time for me to get there um but I can say now that I feel like as recovered as I can be um and as mentally you know, strong as I can be. And that's what I'm trying to do with all my own clients now because I know how hard it is for ballet dancers to go into that studio every day and feel that expectation on their bodies. Like it's it's an insane pressure and there's no other job like it. Like really, mm-hmm. there's no job that's like you must have a long neck and a small legs and all that crap. Like no other yeah. job is like that. So, yeah, no, I think, literally. yeah, it was not, not an easy ride, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. that doesn't, yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like an easy ride. Um, kind of going back, talking about like having to, you know, so were you living away from home when you, did you have to move home when you were still at school or was this like once yeah. you joined the company? Okay. Yeah, so you were like so living I, at the, at like, I guess you were boarding with Queensland Ballet. No, so I wasn't oh? with Queensland Ballet. Then. Oh, when no, you were no, at Australian Ballet School. Australian Ballet, Got yeah. you. And I was at the boarding school there, Mm -hmm. um, which is obviously a very different experience for a child who's lived at home their whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, And also living with other dancers is always going to be a bit challenging. Um, And I think it was just, yeah, it's hard because you can't remove yourself from that ballet mindset, even when you go home, because it's Mm -hmm. like you're sitting at the dinner table and you're surrounded by all these people and everyone's still competing. Like it shouldn't feel like that but it did for me because I'm such a competitive person Mm -hmm. you know so I just wanted to be winning at everything yes Um, so yeah so I I lived in the boarding house there um for about seven months and then I came home after that back to yeah was that I guess this is like did do you feel like the school handled it sufficiently like the whole situation or like not really um look, I'm not going to say anything bad about the yeah. school. They did what they could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I would never blame them for that yeah. because it was, it was me that, like, you know, it was my um, choice to mm-hmm. do what I did. But at the same time, I did not receive the support I needed because obviously mm-hmm. it's hard when your family's in another exactly. state. Like you can't get I that know. instant. Yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't feel that supported. Um, and, yeah, and I will say that the school has changed a lot since then. Mm. I was kind of like a... A big push for them my situation my story 
um, and what happened with me and the extent that it went to required them to change a lot of their policies and things like that. Okay. Um, and so now they actually have really good policies in the school that promote like positive body image and they have psychologists and they have all those things mm-hmm. that you need because, yeah, I think it was a little bit of a scare, to be honest mm-hmm. for them. Um, and, yeah, okay. but no, I'm happy that I was able to be that example for them. Yeah. Um, like I never will regret what happened. It happened for a reason and I wasn't meant to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was meant to be here. So I, it changed me completely as a person. It made me grow up and, you know, understand myself mm-hmm. and now help so many other people with that challenge. Um, but, yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't easy. No. Um, being with your family I think is a huge thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So then you move back to live at home did you take a break from ballet at all mm, you I did. did okay yeah I took about five months off um okay. for my health so I spent uh almost a month in hospital and then I spent yeah. about four months at home with my parents all day every day um and then that's when I I wasn't sure if I was going to go back to ballet to be honest okay. I had that I kind of had that like that big realization that every dancer does at some point. And I, I remember my mum was sitting in, next to me in my hospital bed and she was like, you know, you don't have to do ballet. Like you don't have to do any of this. And I was like, but it's all I have. It's all I know. It's all I have. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when I kind of realized like, holy, like, sh- like crap, that it's so important to have other things outside mm-hmm. of ballet that fulfill you. Because if you just have ballet and then you get some big injury or illness or something, it's you will not be able to handle it because that was the first time it hit me and I was like oh I really need to have some hobbies and some other Mm -hmm. interests you know um but then I did get that pull like and I was like I want to go back to ballet I want to do this um yeah which was obviously a really hard decision to make for myself and my family because it was like is she going to be able to do this in a healthy way you know um and the start was hard like start was very hard yeah um but yeah, no, I think also when you become a professional, it changes a lot. Like, to be honest, okay. when I was a student, I had that very student mindset that every student has you and even teachers in schools that are like, they just want you to be skinny and they want you to be this perfect little 10 year old looking thing, mm-hmm. um, which is so unrealistic because as soon as I got into the company, yeah. I had, I was being told to gain weight and okay. everyone wanted me to grow. Everyone wanted me to gain weight and be healthy. And I was like, oh okay, this is a different situation. Like I'm around women all day. We're dancing for 10 hours. Like there's no way I can be underfed and undernourished. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think when you change the company as well, it's a huge, it's a huge shift. Mm. I find that so interesting because I definitely agree and I've heard more, I guess, like positive body talk more recently Mm. from maybe directors, and people in companies and I'm literally like why are the expectations of school to be mm. a pre like you know if say if you're training mm-hmm. until 16 or whatever why are the teachers then expecting you to look like you're 12 like it's ridiculous and to be honest it grinds my gears but I <laughs> don't understand because <laughs> that was yeah personally so affected by it and I was never I I remember saying for so many years whenever I saw someone who had an eating disorder or anything like that I'd go oh my god that will never be me that'll never be me mm. and then before you knew it it was mm-hmm. me like as far as you can take it like I was like who am I you know but yeah. I think I think what happens with school is that you have kind of a mixed class like for instance my class I felt like half of us had gone through puberty and half of us hadn't so okay. the ones who had were like oh we should look like the other ones and then the teachers mm. kind of expect you to look like the other ones um, and it's just this unrealistic expectation on dancers because you mm. get into a company and it is nothing like that. Exactly. It is nothing like that. To sustain yeah. yourself all day, you cannot be a little twig. Like, I'm sorry, I can't yeah. put it any, like, like, nicer, but it's just the truth. Mm. Like, I learned that the hard way every single year in the company. They're like, you need to gain weight, you need to gain weight. And I still had that mindset of I have to look like a 12-year-old girl. I can't have boobs. I can't mm. have any fat on me. I have to be tiny. And then... I was like, this looks wrong on stage. Like you genuinely look out of place on stage when you are too thin and your director will not put you on. Like there's just no way they will. Mm. So I think that is the problem with school to company because the company is completely different. As I said, I don't know if every company is like that. Mm. My company is super nurturing, super supportive with things like that. Mm. Um, And we have a really healthy body image at QB, but I'm not sure Europe is a bit different. Um, Yeah, it will vary place to place, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think pressure ever goes away though. No, exactly. And I think 
it's hard because I think everyone deals with the pressure differently Mm. and I'm sure like you would have seen this but I'm sure there's like there was more than like well there's always one more than one type of eating disorder but I think yeah Mm. it there's it can go I guess either way Um, absolutely there's always you know mm. I don't think anyone in a ballet studio doesn't have some issue with their eating Mm -hmm. um it might not be as obvious as others it might not be as severe but everyone's got some kind of issues and blockages around their body image and their food and that's what we need to fix like that's Mm -hmm. what needs fixing if we want ballet to progress like we need to get the root of it you know yeah because it's mentally blocking like if not like every dancer, like mm. majority, da- like majority of the dancers. Um, so going kind of talking about more since you left, I guess the Australian Ballet School and you, I guess, embarked on that journey of recovery. Mm. Um, what's that been like? I know that's a very broad question, but. Yeah, yeah what's that kind of been like and I know you mentioned that you know you took time off and then you went back into ballet what were your feelings around that like how and then when you became like professional and you were I'm assuming you know and you're kind of like yeah the journey kind of goes on for longer Mm. than we expect Um, oh my gosh yeah yeah. oh god like how how has that been and then, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Easy, easy to answer. Um, so really after my first big recovery, mm-hmm. um, I went back to dancing at my old dance school, like my okay. child full-time dance school with all my teachers that I knew there because I knew I needed to be somewhere I was comfortable, somewhere yeah. I could wear a T-shirt and tracksuit pants all day and not look at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and those teachers are now my best friends today. Like they nurtured me through the whole thing. And it was yeah, definitely hard at the start, but because my first recovery, I kind of just came out looking like kind of a normal girl okay. um, and I knew I had to look like a dancer again. So that was kind of a blockage for me. But in order to become healthy again, I had to do that. Um, but I knew mentally I was never, I wasn't like better. Like I was physically better, but okay. I knew mentally I was the exact same person, you know. Okay. Um, and I think people expect that to just go away, mm-hmm. but it will not. It's something I work on every day. Like, you know what I mean? You, you will, it's not necessarily a struggle now, but it's something I have to be conscious of every single day, every single meal. I have to ask myself like, okay, where am I coming from right now? Or who, who is talking in my brain right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like got, I gained enough weight and was like stable enough um, for a decent period of time. And then when I became professional, basically every year since then I've had like relapses because when I like I found my pattern now so when I am under the most stress which is always for some reason around my birthday which is so shit um but whenever I'm in my biggest period of stress I always go back to that habit so I start like fully restricting and start like exercising a bit more and you know that sort of thing and then it just spirals and it goes down and down and down and every year the relapses have gotten better. Like they haven't been as severe each year, but it's still something that I don't realize is happening. So I'm kind of just being influenced by the environment around me. And I'm like dealing with the stress in that way because everyone deals with stress in different ways, yeah. right? You're always going to resolve something. Some people might go binge eat, but for me, it's okay. I'm just not going to eat, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is terrible and not like mm-hmm. that anymore. But in the past, I can see how that was my pattern and it would yeah. always happen. And it would just kind of go really quietly and I'd keep chipping away. And then I'd find myself like far too thin and be getting a talk to from my director. And he's like, what's wrong? Like I, you know, cause they care about you. They want you to be healthy. Mm. And when they see one of their company dancers shriveling away, like they're not going to let that go unnoticed. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely hasn't been easier. And each time I haven't realized it's been happening. Like it's never been a conscious decision. Like I'm going to lose some weight. Never, ever, ever has it been conscious. It's always just happened and I haven't realized. And then it'll get to the point where my partner or my parents or something would be like, "Mm, are you eating okay? Like what's going Mm. on? Your face looks thin. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then like a week later, I'd be getting that talking too. So yeah, yeah, I think the last time that I had that lapse was probably last year. And then I first day of this year I said to myself I was like your only goal for this year is to not fall down 
and just to keep growing. And I've done that successfully, which I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, that's, as I said, that's taken six years of mental work and like Mm -hmm. hardship, you know what I mean? It's not an easy battle. And I'm very much like, I'm a professional counselor myself. Like I've done all my studies and I'm studying dietetics and nutrition at university. So I'm very much in that world. So I'm doing all the work on myself that I need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the whole process has just made me realize how overlooked this is in the ballet industry and how much help we actually need. Like the only thing that properly helped me this year was I hired a coach for myself, like a fitness and yeah. a nutrition coach to basically tell me everything I need to be doing because I could not tell myself I needed to be eating that much because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Dancers do not eat anywhere near the amount they should be anywhere mm-hmm. near. Everyone should be eating pretty much double and they won't gain weight. I can assure you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think hiring a coach was the biggest thing for me because I was like, it was all taken out of my hands. I didn't have to make those choices. Mm-hmm. And then that was the only way I could kind of go up. And then my director was very happy about that. So that's good yeah that's that's been the journey yeah it's so it's interesting because yeah there's so much that kind of needs to change Mm. in the ballet world in that sense and there's just not most I just feel like there's a lot of places that don't have adequate support if not most places and it starts in the training and it there is not this there's just I just don't think the education um, well, no. particularly even looking at my training, and I feel like that was like I guess fairly recent, because um, that's where it starts. Like it starts mm. in school. Um, if not for some people, you know, they're coming in with, um, you know, kind of maybe an experience of dieting or diet culture mm. even before school because it's all around us. Um, mm-hmm. So that doesn't help. Um, no. I mean, yeah. And I think the thing is, yeah, like kids are so impressionable. Like Mm. 12-year-old me was just going to do whatever the 18-year-olds were doing, which is not okay. Like, no, no, no. But, yeah, I think that's the thing. You need good role models at that, like at that precious age from like childhood to at least 18. You need those role models. And we Mm -hmm. that's starting to come through social media and stuff, and that's what I try and do with my space. But it's like we, I never had that as a dancer, so I'm like, I'm, it's something that needs to happen for dancers nowadays because we can't just look at it as time in the studio. Like that is not the only thing to make an actual good dancer that's going to survive in the career, not just get to the career, but actually survive and thrive in it. It needs to be a whole rounded approach. Like you need to be looking at their nutrition, their training outside of dancing to prevent injury and to actually create a physique that's optimal for dancing. You need to be looking at their mindset. Most importantly, I would say, honestly, is a performance-based mindset. Like Mm -hmm. that is the top thing that needs to be looked at when you're looking Mm -hmm. at a dancer. And then you look at their training because the training is going to happen anyway, but they are not going to get into the career if they don't have that entire structure, you know, and that's what needs to change in dance schools, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that would be like, honestly, mindset has been like such a big thing for me and kind of switching that mindset. So then it doesn't, there isn't like a constant like battle going on in my head. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. so many dancers struggle with that because we create more challenges in our like we create more challenges mentally than there may be physically absolutely like, and it's crazy kind of seen now in a place where I feel like I'm able to either break down the challenges or just even just look at things in a different way and then mm-hmm. seeing how some people like I guess aren't at that stage yet and I'm like god it's so I can't imagine like what it must be like to be in that position and mm. it can make you hate ballet so much. Oh, more. yeah. Oh, and I'm time. literally like, <laughs> and I'm literally like it's no. Scary. It yeah. is it's scary. It's honestly heartbreaking. Mm. It's heartbreaking because I see girls who are in my exact, like the exact same position I'd been. And it just kills me because I'm like, you need the tools. But at the end of the day, like if someone wants to change, they have to make that change. Took me five years to make that change. So I'm like, I have patience for all the girls, but mm. it's just so hard that, it goes so overlooked, you know, it is so overlooked. It's so hard, but I think, I think dance schools are getting a lot better and companies are totally different, as I said, but I think they're getting a lot better and more onto it, but it's still a huge thing. Like I hate it. Like I have so many girls that have come to me and they've been like, Oh, my dance teacher said I have to like lean out and lose weight. And I'm like, 
the dread. So you have to be so careful about how you say that to a dancer. Yes. Like you cannot just say to someone, oh, just slim down. You can't because when is enough enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a dancer is going to go, oh, okay, and take that to the full extreme. Like yeah. I think there's, there's just so many internal battles that, and you could look around a dance like studio and everyone's fighting a different battle, but they're just not making it obvious because they mm-hmm. just have to go in a grind. Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation needs to be open more. And that's why your podcast and other podcasts like this is so great because it actually kind of exposes it in a way. And that's why I used to be really hesitant about telling my story because I didn't want to have a bad name. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm like, well, no, like if it's going to help people, like people need to hear that like it's possible to change one and like maybe the environment's not right for you. Like I think the school I was at was is perfect for other people but for me it just was not right like you know and it's just like knowing that you have that choice and that you can do something different if you Mm -hmm. want to you know I think it's really important definitely and I think that's the thing as well like every person is suited to a different institution company environment like for some people it works and for some people it doesn't and that's something that I'm really I guess like big on talking about in the podcast because everyone's experience of a training company life whatever Mm. is going to be different and that's okay and like that's that's normal that's how it is no one's going to go into some people there might be I don't know common occurrences but like other than that like yeah absolutely yeah that's the thing like I know so many girls in my company that are just completely fine with food and they've got great relationships with food and their body and everything like that. But that doesn't mean there's not the outlier like myself, you know, and that's a more of a representation, I think, of the potential that ballet can take you to when it comes yes. to that stuff. Like, doesn't mean that everyone's going to go through that. My story is very severe. I don't know anyone who's been through the same kind of hellish time that I did Mm. but that just shows kind of where like that's me personally where I could take myself but also where the pressures of ballet can take you Mm -hmm. you know yeah exactly and everyone's yeah it's going to be different for everyone oh yeah Um, talking about you know you did mention that you got a coach um but I also I guess like you moved into going into more like fitness and strength training and that whole I say I say that yeah. whole world um yeah, no, the whole what world, was no. that like what made you kind of I guess take that push because yes. you have to be it's hard because like obviously like like you know I mean you know but like it's hard to make the decision to want change oh. when you're in this whole mindset so like how did you do that <laughs> Yeah, no, um, very difficult. As I said, five years later, um, a lot of growing up. But honestly, I was sick of feeling the way I was feeling. I was sick okay. of being tired all the time. I was sick of being cold all the time and weak and fragile and injured. And I was just like, this is just stupid, like a genuinely stupid. And once I got that final talking to from my director and he was like, this, yeah, like you're not okay. I was like, okay, if I can't be skinny, like if I can't be this little waif that I want to be well I may as well just be shredded and really strong as vain as that is and as like blunt as that is that's honestly what my mindset was and I was like okay well I can't do this myself because I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and just be like oh nah screw that let's go be skinny again Mm. so I was like I've got to hire someone to do this for me um and so that's when I got my coach and she was a coach that actually's in the UK actually and she um basically coaches people like kind of does bodybuilding and I was okay, like so she's always, yeah, yeah, yeah interesting yeah mm. and I was always infatuated by that world like I'm literally in my hospital bed watching bikini competitions because I was like this is amazing like they're so ripped and like mm. they're so strong and I was just always you know so entertained by it but I could never never thought I could do it myself because I was like oh I have to be a valid dancer I only stretch and do Pilates you know I was just in that box mindset that every dancer's in right um, so then I started strength training and getting to the gym and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, and then after like a couple of weeks, I freaking fell in love with it because it is, I think one as a dancer, but two as a woman, it mm. is so empowering to be able to walk in that weight section, know what you're doing and actually lift some weight. Like you feel mm. so good about yourself. Like mm-hmm. that's why a lot of my girls come to me and they're just doing cardio. And I'm like, okay, no, we're cutting out cardio. Yeah. Like, don't need to be doing cardio. You do that every day for dancing. Yeah. You don't need that. What we need also for injury prevention is strength training, like the load and the impact that we put 
our bodies under is just ridiculous. Like mm. we need to have the structure there to help us. And I was also genuinely just wanted the physique for it. I was like, well, yeah, if I don't want to be, if I can't be skinny, may as well look as good as I can, but in another way. So mm. yeah, that kind of got me into it. And then I just, yeah, fell in love with it and did my certificate and everything became a qualified PT this year. Um, Cause I was like, kind of as my injury was worsening and I knew kind of the end was approaching. I was like, I've got to do something that I love. And I've mm. always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to help girls in that way. Mm. Um, Cause I think dancers do not get the right strength training they need. Nothing on Instagram is kind of going to be good enough. In my opinion, like you can't just follow a little at home workout for dancers. It's not enough. You need personalized training. You need to be doing like strong things in the gym or else how are you going to get yourself in the air and Mm. genuinely my dancing improved so much when I started doing strength training I was like oh this isn't actually that hard to get up and do a jet like I was always good at jet but like Mm. that was just because I could split my legs it wasn't because I could get off the floor and I was like oh I'm not getting as many stress fractures and you know so yeah I think that was my big transition because it was more mentally just going from that skinny to strong mindset Mm -hmm. Um, and then I realized how much better it is and I can eat and I can live my life and yeah (laughs) it's a big change yeah I think it's a big push yeah yeah um did you feel that ever that whole idea of being I say like really ripped ever interfered with like I don't know like did it do you think it ever became like disordered but in a more like fitnessy way yeah 100 100 so that's yeah yeah, no that's what I did the first like month I was like oh yes I'm so ripped I was absolutely shredded like you could I was probably like five percent body fat you could see every vein in my stomach it was nuts but I loved it of course because I was like oh yeah I'm shredded yeah and then I was like hang on this isn't healthy in the same way like I was like I'm orthorexic because I'm just eating vegetables and protein all day Mm -hmm. um and yeah I just realized it was my disorder had just shifted into another place Okay. So then that's when I was like, okay, it's time to proper like gain weight, gain some muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that journey was not easy. Every second week I was messaging my coach like, oh, could we please like add some cardio in? Could we just drop calories a little bit? And she was like, no, 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 listen no. here. Um, and then, yeah, so 10 kilos later, I am a lot healthier and a lot stronger and look a lot better for it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing is with dancers, they're always going to go down that smaller is better mindset um and being scared of lifting yeah. because it'll make you bulky and blah 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 but like oh my gosh I've gained 10 kilos I go to the gym f- way too much and lift way too heavy weight for my body and mm. I'm not bulky whatsoever it's not possible for women it is not gonna happen and as a dancer you're using your body every day in a very lengthened position like you're constantly elongating you're constantly extending so there's no way you can build that bulky muscle Mm. I do think it's important to find what works for you not everyone likes strength training but I think it's good for everyone Mm -hmm. um but yeah it definitely was something that the mindset was still there and then it Mm. just kind of transformed um but now I can say I've broken out of it and that's why I think the mindset like coaching and having someone to help you with the mindset is the most important thing because that's behind it all yeah yeah Yeah. no because that's I feel like that can happen quite easily like the I guess like the disordered Mm. whether that be like body image with food can shift because it's in the fit there's a lot of it in the fitness industry I mean it's everywhere um so I was like "Mm, like I wonder if it kind of like if you experience that um because it is it's difficult but I think exactly like you said having a coach um and then you know having that guidance is really important because it's kind of a whole new world to navigate and I think when you start doing you know more strength training and like you're using more energy and you need yeah. like that whole like learning how to I guess fuel yourself properly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Learning how to eat. Like ballet dancers don't eat. But then you get into the company and you're like, oh, these women actually put away quite a fair bit of food. And that's what I kind of realizing. I was like, I can actually eat so much and you need it, but we just don't realize we do. And as soon as you can change that mindset from skinny, no food, tiny, tiny to oh, okay, fueled and like performance-based like I think Mm. that's the thing it's like before 
that I was all aesthetic based. I just have to look a certain way. But now I'm like, no, I have to feel a certain way. And I'm not going to feel that way if I don't eat well, if I don't eat enough. And if I don't train hard, like we're just not, we can't feel empowered and strong in the studio if we don't do that. Mm. Um, But yeah, no, I will definitely openly admit that that was complete just disorder, just swap around. Like it just Mm. morphed itself in many ways. Um, And I think that often happens with people, but yeah, it's, it's all in the mindset at the end of it. With your injury, how did like, how did that affect, has that affected your recovery? Um, and that kind of like whole trying to, Mm. I don't know, like how has that affected everything? Because, yeah, and then kind of making the decision to retire and all that stuff, how did, like, how has that interwined with Mm. your recovery as well? Absolutely. Yeah, no, very difficult, Um, very difficult. Like I knew just before my surgery I kind of was admitting to myself like okay you realize you're not going to be able to do 12,000 steps every day like because I was still doing that right before surgery and I was like you're not going to be able to go to the gym for a while because Mm. I had a double surgery so I also had a hernia repair in my stomach um and that took so at this in the same surgery um so I couldn't walk because my stomach couldn't stand up and then I couldn't put pressure on my foot so it was very good I was in a wheelchair um and so I was kind of like okay you're just gonna have to deal with this somehow And I felt myself going a little bit like, oh, just don't eat as much. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Just, you can just not eat as much. You're not moving. It's fine. And my coach was like, no, honey, like your body needs double when you are recovering from an injury, especially a surgery. Like you need double because your body needs to fuel that new, like all those new blood cells and everything. Like you you can't just cut back. And she was like, we'll be doing no exercise and you'll be eating like proper food. So I was like, okay. And I know if I did that by myself, oh my God would have been a twig I would have been a twig sitting in my bed for four weeks recovering there was no way I would have done that myself but having her do that for me it was still hard like I was still uncomfortable and I was like Mm. oh let's just restrict but nah it it wasn't too bad and honestly with the retirement and everything like that has helped me massively with my mindset um knowing that I'm not going to be in a leotard anymore like I haven't worn a leotard in weeks I genuinely, do, I do class still. I'm still performing, but I just wear a t-shirt and pants because mm. I don't need to be in a leotard. I don't need to look like a ballet dancer anymore. So I'm not going to force myself to. Mm. Um, and it's given me so much more flexibility and freedom because now I'm like, I can train the way I want to train in the gym. I can do a bodybuilding competition. I can do whatever I want, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't have to fit into that mold. But at the same time, it really highlighted for me, like, wow, I could have had this mindset while I was dancing. Um, Like I still could have had this flexibility and this kind of not this fear of food and everything while I was in this industry Mm -hmm. because it is genuinely possible. And I just didn't think it was possible for myself. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of woke up to it when I realized I wasn't going to dance anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so passionate now about helping people because I'm like people in ballet need to have the tools and the education to do that. And I want people to have thriving careers just because mine ended like harshly doesn't mean that I don't want that for other people. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm like, you guys could do this in a really healthy way. Um, And I think that's what the big changes in ballet are today. Like we're really seeing a shift from the bottom, um, from the bottom up just of people starting to talk about this stuff and make this like heard and make this known. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, it really highlighted for me, like, people can do ballet differently just because my experience was you know in that way that it was Mm. doesn't mean that it has to be like that for other students especially students yeah yes definitely definitely I agree with all of that um it I think it's really difficult but like going back to what you said like obviously that your example changed a lot of the policies um of the school that you were at and I think like that's although it how bad it is that kind of like almost like a person's experience in life is like sacrificed and mm. you know for the and then they change their things because it's a wake up call and you kind of just wonder like why wasn't this mm-hmm. addressed sooner in the you know in everything oh. um, so like obviously like yeah not everyone has to experience what you experienced to get to this point. But I think institution training and institutions, companies, if they're not already doing it, do need to have a 
like long hard think about how they're dealing with these sort of situations Um, they need to take a lot more responsibility yeah because it isn't it can't just be put back on the student even though obviously they're your actions and it's you or whatever but there's influences that are going to be external I don't know what obviously like how yeah yeah no absolutely the thing is like yeah, students don't know any better. How are they to know? They're literally just doing what they think is the best thing. Yeah. But it is from the top down that needs to make the change in that way because if we don't have the guidance we need and the support we need, how are we to know? Like I genuinely think ballet schools should be having strength training classes mm-hmm. all the time. I think there should be nutrition education classes. I think there should be a dietitian at every dance school and a psychologist at every dance school. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way you can oh, be dancing no. healthily without that. Yeah. No, definitely. And it literally, like, it shocks me because I know, like, at my school, like, we didn't have a lot of that. And it was only things slowly started to change in, like, the third year that I was Mm. there. But I don't understand, like, how someone can just decide to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to set up a ballet school and not have that. Like, I know. And especially in 2021, like, I know, I know. Like, especially like the big schools, you know, like that's going to be such a competitive environment and a high pressure environment for kids anyway. Like, how can you expect all these high achievers not to go above and beyond and find Mm -hmm. a way to make themselves quote unquote better? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and just spiraling. Like, yeah, I think they have a lot more responsibility. Like, it sucks. Yeah, it's very infuriating. And at the time, I was livid well more so my parents I kind of couldn't really do anything (laughs) um but they were livid because you know it's a duty of care but then at the same time I took complete responsibility and I knew it was my actions I chose to a certain extent I chose what happened um but then it kind of gets to a point where you don't make any choices anymore it just keeps happening and you Mm. you're not aware of anything but I think, yeah, it sucks that I was the example that had to be, but at the same time, I would not change it for the world because now I'm happy that the school has that in place. Um, they did have a psychologist when I was there, but it wasn't, you know, yeah. It, yeah. I wasn't really enough in a place to see a psychologist. Like mm-hmm. I just wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to take myself there. Um, yeah. And they took responsibility towards the end when it got really bad. Um, okay. And they, yeah, took me to a doctor and stuff like that. But still, it needed to be there from the start. Um, mm. And that's nothing against the school. I think Australian Ballet School probably had more than a lot of schools do. So mm. I think it's just schools need to take that responsibility and have some proper policies in place and have people go in and talk about it, especially dancers. There's not enough dancers who talk about it. And I think it's coming from us, the professionals, we need to speak to the students about that. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, it's so easy for someone, for a school to just, like, get someone in and be like, oh, like, okay, like, they have a conversation. But, like, if there's no way that you can relate to that person, if they're just a professional in their field, which is great, but sometimes for some people that's really hard to relate to and feel, oh, yeah, yeah," because they'll be like, well, they don't understand the pressures of ballet. Well, they don't. They've never been in the industry. How can they say that? They don't know that we have to like look like this. How do yeah. I look like this and eat or, like like it? it oh, so yeah. it is difficult. It is oh, and <laughs> I me to eat. Yeah, like I remember going to so many dietitians, mm. everyone in the hospitals, and they were like, "No." And I just would say to them, "You don't understand. You don't understand what it's like for a dancer. You don't understand the pressure and how I have to look." And they don't. And that's why I was like, "Okay." I remember. In that year, I decided, I was like, one day I'll be a dietitian or a psychologist for dancers, 100%. I would love to be QB's in-house psychologist or dietitian one day because I'm like, you need someone you can relate to. And that's why dancers are coming to me all the time now for coaching is because it's like they can relate to me. They've seen my story. They've seen my struggles. And then they've seen me be a professional and still overcome it. Mm. So it kind of is an example of what's possible, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think that's really important. And I think there's so many... I guess that that's a route that I'm sure, oh my God, I'm sure like a lot of dancers can, I don't know if that's something they're interested in, go down just because I think there's always room for it. Obviously, if, you know, making sure you're getting the correct, um, I guess, like qualifications, because I guess then there's the, also the side of 
people calling themselves a nutritionist and not yeah, being a nutritionist. Yeah, no, you're not a nutritionist. No, um, you at university. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's well, it's really great that you're doing that because I think that will yeah. be um, such a good thing and be helpful mm-hmm. to so many people. Um, so, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so just before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to mention? Any advice? Any last words? Mm, oh shit, that's big. Um, <laughs> I would say don't wait until you feel like your situation is bad enough mm-hmm. to warrant help. Yeah. Like even if you have the tiniest little thoughts about food restriction or you just want to improve your physique and your health and your mindset at ballet. Like if you're not happy in the ballet studio and you're criticizing yourself every day about how you look, don't wait until it gets bad enough. You don't need a permission slip to go and get help from someone. Go reach out to someone that you want to talk to, someone that can provide you the things you need. Like there's there's no one, like how do I explain it? It's like anyone, like everyone and anyone I think in ballet would benefit from that. Yes, because it's such a high pressure situation and I would also say it's never too late to change your mind so going into ballet I would just say be so so sure it's what you want because it is not an easy career it's extremely rewarding Mm -hmm. it's a it's a very magical career and it's beautiful but just be aware of all of the things that can happen and the things that will happen Mm -hmm. and just be aware and just be ready for the pressure because it's not easy but you can do it and you can do it healthily if you have the right tools so I think don't let that turn you off don't let my story scare you make it you know take it as something that can be empowering for you Mm -hmm. and to know that you're in a good position as you are because you know you can always be improved you can always get help and you can always make this a healthy career for yourself yeah and just believe in yourself like don't Mm -hmm. doubt yourself because I never had it all I I was like crap feet crap legs like you know all of that stuff and I just made myself a dancer like I was never you wouldn't look at me on paper and be like oh should we a good dancer no 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 at the bar shocking terrible absolutely terrible technique (laughs) but you can make yourself a dancer when you focus on your strengths and just chip away your weaknesses Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's literally just being consistent with the work that you put in um Mm -hmm. it's so important um, so I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thank you yes. so much, Lucy, for coming Thank on. You. Um, Thank you. So really much. appreciate you being on the podcast. And yeah, I hope my story can help. Someone. Yeah, no, I think it will. Yeah. Um, just before we finish, where can the listeners find you on social media if they want to contact you, yep. check you out, whatever? So I have my like fitness coaching, like whole mm-hmm. Instagram, but then I'm also starting to work up on a dancer focused Instagram just for yep. dancers. Um, but for now, just um, Instagram is Christo underscore coaching. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Facebook, Christo coaching. Um, yeah. Shameless. I'll put so, that yeah. in the um, <laughs> description of the episode. Thank you. Um, and yeah, same with the website as well. Christo coaching. Okay. Fab. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening everyone. And I hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Lucy, for coming on and listen. So you can hear me next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye.